Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. And welcome to another episode of the Church Planner Podcast, where I don't believe we've even figured out what today's topic is going to be. Have we? I have nothing to say to that. Maybe, maybe I do. Maybe I don't. Uh, translation, you don't. <laughs> you kind of stunned me. I said, hey, when you want to do it, you said now and called me. I, I, I was a bit caught with, well... Not literally, that has happened where I've been caught with my pants down. But uh, metaphorically, I was caught with my pants down. Mm, metaphors. That's how we know we're friends, is we can literally, we, we could call each other while going to the bathroom. That is a sign of friendship. I have no idea what you're talking about, man. Yes, you do. Literally no <laughs> clue. You say that now, but that's not what you said to me when you were making the popo. I, whatever. <laughs> I am not you. <laughs> Pete, our friendship has gone to this level, truly. Now, my assistant, I'm pretty sure that the company that employs my assistant has policies against that sort of thing. But uh, our do friendship. Think, do you think because they hire virtual assistants, they have to have policies about talking to their clients while you want to popo? I definitely think so. That has to be a thing. You, you don't think that's be... just like a basic human understanding? Hey, don't call someone when you're on the popo. <laughs> <laughs> you think they got to have a, they got to have it actually written down and probably signed off on, right? I understand. I will not talk to a client while sitting on the popo. It, I, dude, absolutely. And definitely after, you know, I've been working with, my assistant for any length of time. We did have that conversation. I told him I will not do that to you. That is, that is, I'm sure against company policy. He's probably and he agreed. It, he it probably, probably was took that conversation and played it for his his bosses and was like, "I need hazard pay. I need hazard pay." I'm pretty sure he went. Please get me another client. Yeah, please. Probably switch me now. Probably. So, hey, where are you at now? Are you still in Yosemite? No, I'm I'm actually in Carlsbad right now, California. Okay. Which, uh, But I didn't start off there today. No, sir. I drove in late last night from Yosemite to Huntington, got up bright and early in Huntington, and drove all the way to Carlsbad. Take this, the kids to school, as you do, you know, hour and 15-minute drive, take the kids to school each way. Nothing wrong with that. I don't know why you guys are doing what you're doing. I think you're out of your minds. 
we are out of our minds. But uh, three days a week, we pretty much decided on the other two days, we pull them out and homeschool them on those two days. You know, if which you means really think go about to Disneyland. It, if you really think about it, school is pretty much a waste of time. So, you know, why do you even send kids to school? I've never right. used algebra. I've never needed to know the past participle of a sentence. I've never needed any of that stuff. I'm just saying. Everything I, I needed to know about church planning, I learned from Star Wars, episode one through seven. I don't even know what you're talking about. I only know of four through seven. <laughs> but seven was worthy. Seven was admit. worthy. Seven was good. Seven it was, was great. Good. Yeah. Then they should have yeah. stopped right there. Yeah, I, I will tell you this. I am not seeing Solo. Oh, really? You're, you're totally boycotting Solo. Oh, I'm totally boycotting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't... I'm in that crowd now because I'm like, look, I ain't, I ain't going to Jedi again. I'm not going to do that and watch that. And to be honest, the, the guy that they got to play Han Solo, have you ever watched clips of Harrison Ford when he was younger? Um, I don't know. Well, you probably have, and his voice is deep. It sounds like <gasps> Harrison Ford, like when he was a couple years older. So here they got this guy, and he's like, come on, Chewie, let's go over here. I, I'm like, yeah, I can't do that. I'm, I'm already not a fan of the new Solo movie. Yeah. I, the new trailer came out. I was like, you know, it does look interesting, but I just remember how much you guys ruined the last movie, and I don't, I don't care anymore i just don't care i've lost my yeah. love for star wars have you seen that meme though that has uh harrison ford and kylo on the bridge and he says something like you know i'm mad at you you know because i i'm an only child and he says you're not an only child son i've been waiting to tell you you're a solo child nice <laughs> he stabs him <laughs> hey, there there was off the bridge there was these... such a bad dad joke there are these great memes, like uh, Star Wars memes that expose all of the major plot holes. <laughs> there is like just one after the other. One is uh, um, Anakin and <coughs> and Kenobi, and Kenobi's like, "I have the high ground. It's over." And Anakin goes, "Yeah, but Darth Maul had the high ground." <laughs> <laughs> just like. One after the other, just expo- exposing all of the major plot holes in all the movies. It was great. It was really That's good. That's pretty good, man. I have not seen that. Oh, but that dude, sounds was... very worthy. Yeah. They, they were pretty funny and accurate. Strangely, they were accurate. I, I like how our listeners are pretty much divided up into two people now. There are those that want to tell me, I don't agree with your Star Wars thing, but okay. You know, I still like your podcast. You and they're know? millennials. So it's like, yeah. eh, I don't really care what you think. Not all of them, though, because I bumped into a millennial. They're a millennial. The day. They're a millennial. Only a millennial would say such a horrid thing. <laughs> Only Sith speaks in absolutes, Pete. But you don't know what I'm talking about. That that line didn't exist for you. But but here's the deal. Um, I bumped into a guy, and uh, it, it's funny you say this, though, because the most diehard Star Wars fan I know liked it, and I was kind of blown away. And he he's a pretty logical dude, so I I was like, okay. There are dark forces at work here. Um, but then I bumped into a millennial over the weekend at the wedding, at Barry's wedding, which we must talk about. Um, and uh, I just said, hey, we're not going to talk about Star Wars. And he goes, no, we better not talk about that. That's we, we, And he's he's like, Star, what are you talking about? And I said, yeah, yeah, exactly. So Was it Ben? You know, he was, was it Ben? No, it wasn't Ben. You mean Ben from Wales? Yeah. No, it was not Ben. I have not broached that. Have you talked to him about it? No, no. I just thought I'd take a stab there. I was trying to figure out who you're talking about. No, it was um, Justin, the guy who used to do sound at Refuge, oh, the yeah. Sydney Did Church. He, yeah, He's a millennial. Come on. Did he like but, it? But he didn't like it. No. Oh, okay. So, so there's hope. But he's a ginger. It, it's, it's the new hope for this generation. He's a ginger. We have no souls. That boy is our only hope. I'm just saying. <laughs> so, uh, so, anyways, man. So Barry and Melissa got married. I had to stop for a second. I'm so tired and punch drunk right now. Yeah, it's Barry and Melissa. I thought it was hilarious that uh, Ruben posts on Facebook. 
hey, there's like flash flood warnings for Yosemite, which is where they got married at, and they're right. going to be closing down the valley. You know, pray that 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 doesn't happen. And I was like, do you think that maybe this is God trying to tell Melissa to rethink <laughs> Barry? You know, let's just throw that one out there. Well, it kind of gets worse. So I'm I'm in the back room waiting for Barry to come in, you know, his best man's there, his dad's there, and uh, Barry, Barry comes in, and he's got this gash on his nose that rivals mine, and it's fresh, and this thing's pouring out blood, and I said, what did you do? And he says, I slipped in the shower, it was 30 minutes before the wedding, and he had this giant, and and he may have busted his nose, Are you, you could see the bone, dude, I'm not even kidding. Oh my gosh! That's why I said to you today that now that Barry is safely married, he's probably less of a danger to himself and others. Now he's got Melissa to look after him. That's got to mean man. something. I don't know. This just... That woman is a hardcore church planning team member. I'm telling you, she was she was a leader in her own right with, with Ruben and San Pedro. I know, but you know what? Here's kind of the thing. This is Melissa, to me, has always been someone who you could really respect, really look to. I mean, like you said, hardcore church planner. But then it just kind of like strikes me. Yeah, but she married Barry. So what does that really <laughs> say about her? Like, I mean, let's be honest. It it was pretty rad because, you know, they did the traditional vows, which I always kind of argue that a couple should. And then she, you know, they each had personal vows. And I got to say, um, their wedding was seriously my favorite wedding I've ever nice. um, been a part of. It, it was really, I mean, you know, we're, we're teasing and, and pulling legs and stuff because Barry's, Barry's just a, a force of nature. But um, but what was rad was she wanted to read it and she couldn't bring herself to read it. You know, they had written their own vows and they had done them the night before, so they were fresh. But um, it was funny because she goes, I can't get through it. She started to cry. And then Barry goes, I'll read them. And so he takes them. And the first line of it, and it was so funny because she was being... She's just being real. And you know, Melissa's super real. She goes, when I first met you, I thought you were the strangest person I'd ever met. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. And then she talks about how she gets to know him. But, oh, my gosh, it was seriously the funny. Like, it was sweet. Like, it was, I don't think there's a dry eye in the, in the house. Because she started talking about, hey, when I really got to know you, past the jokes, past the antics, past this, past that. She's like, I saw who you were. And, you know, I've always felt that about Barry as well, because Barry's just, um, he's a guy that, I don't know, like he will always surprise you, but in, in amusing ways, but also in good ways too. And I've, I've always related to Barry as a guy who I think was underestimated. You know, of all the people that I left behind in Wales, Barry is the guy still going into coffee shops and having open dialogues with non-believers week after week. And I've been to it when I've been back visiting, and it's just cool, man. So with with she and him together, they're going to be a power team. Because I'm telling you, man, when you looked at this wedding, Pete, it was like on the one side you saw all the Welsh people, and they were very proper looking. You know, they dress up for weddings really nice. Then all the Refuge Long Beach people and Refuge San Pedro people were on the other half of the room, and it was like a tale of two cities. And nice. so during the ceremony, I said, you know, it's easy to tell who's from where. You know, I thanked everyone for coming. People came from Wales, and they were live streaming to Wales. But I said, it's very easy to see. I said, pretty much women accepted from this comment. All the really ugly people are from Refuge Long Beach and Refuge San Pedro. And uh, that was pretty much right. I love it. Well, I understand. This is what Melissa said to to Barry in her vows. I am altering the deal. Pray I don't alter it any further. <laughs> That's what happens after the ceremony. Indeed. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. So, uh, yeah, I don't really have any other smack talk. I, I, I didn't get well, invited to the wedding, so I was a little bit it's disappointed. It's because I haven't been there. You didn't get invited? What in the heck? I don't know. I just didn't get invited. They knew you wouldn't come. Well, they probably are right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Actually, that's beyond probably. They're 100% <laughs> right. <laughs> Petey, not... don't travel. Right? I ain't Wasn't driving up just... to Yosemite for your wedding. Are you out of your mind? 
it was what was really cool was there was a lot of people that that really and you know a lot of the people in San Pedro and Long Beach and on money, but they made the effort to like that just shows how loved that guy is. Like there was easily about eighty five people there, and uh, and it was rad. Man. I will say this: Yosemite just, is like to me, it's one of the most beautiful places on the earth. So. I was kind of surprised that they were doing it in Yosemite because I didn't even know that he'd been there. Yeah, he had. And, uh, you know, his his dad had always said, because I used to work with his dad, his dad had said, um, you know, he goes, if I ever got married again, you know, I'd go in that chapel. Now, they did not really? get to use the chapel. Sorry if you're if you're listening first time and you're going, what is, I thought this church plan... This is Smack Talk. This is where Pete and I just talk about whatever in the heck we want. And then we'll get to the nitty-gritty. But, um, you know, this is kind of like, you know, the, the wedding, like when you watch all those dumb shows that, that, that women like a lot. And, you know, and then they have the big couple's wedding. This is like that in the church planting world for me and Pete, right? Because this is like, there's literally the two church plants that I planted. And then out of that, both of these individuals got saved. Then they got raised up to leadership. Then they both shot out with offshoots of those church plants. And now they're married. And now they're going to do something together. So this is like one, two, three, you know, this is like five deep for me. So this is rad. So um, if we had a church, we should put them on the cover of their wedding picture as a joke. The wedding issue. <laughs> How to do a wedding. Oh, it's so funny. Hey, we could get Ed Choi on it. Where'd you go? Oh. You there? Yeah, I'm here. This is the part you say something. Witty. I don't have anything witty. Witty or inappropriate. You know, we did get a a review. Did you see that review I sent you? Oh, let me... Yes, I did. Let me say one one thing, though. The suckiest part of them having to not have the chapel and the the valley being closed due to floods was there was a, a couple that had flown all the way from Wales were staying in Yosemite Valley... And got stuck and oh. couldn't make it to the new venue. Now where, that sucks. Where was the new venue? New venue was in the opposite entrance of the park. So Yosemite has like four or five entrances. And you could get into the other entrance, which is outside of a town called Oakhurst. Yeah. Um, but they got stuck at the other, uh, the other entrance, you know, staying there. So that really sucked. Yeah. So Oakhurst is the south entrance. And missed it. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, go ahead. So yeah, our review, I, it was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. This was from uh, Schoolie G. I've listened to the last couple of months. Mo- I've been listening the last couple of months, going through their vast backlog of work. And they're awesome, real, and have a wealth of knowledge to impart. I'm not a church planner, but I think God might be calling me. So they have been a valuable resource. To be honest, I've been freeloading for a while. Even getting Peyton's Jump School DVD for free with no book, meaning he just paid the shipping and handling. (laughs) But I finally bought his book, Raiders of the Lost Art. It's really good, too. Uh, They have the right balance of fun and serious. I've seen Pete transition from Star Wars underwear to Charger Love to Loving Guns and Cali, which is a hard thing to do. Anyway, you guys are awesome. Keep it up. So, Schoolie G, we love your review. And uh, as our free gift, uh, Peyton's going to give you his life's work on DVD for free. Nice, nice. I was I was poised with tell him what he's won, Pete, but you did that, so nice. That's, that's nice. cool. Yeah. I dig it. But, yeah, uh, so maybe we should actually get into our topic. Yeah, and by the way, um, reviewer that I didn't think about what your name was to remember it, um, reviewer, thank you. And Pete and I, we're going to make this our last episode ever, but we'll probably do it for another week or two now. So thank we're, you. We're going to leave on a high note. You know, and, 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 and so those of you listening that, that don't get sarcasm, that was sarcasm. Yeah. Wasn't there an episode where we're like, ah, we're going to make uh, next week our last episode. And then yes. that week came, we're like, That's yeah, it's our last episode. And people were like, are they coming back? And then the next week we came back and didn't even address <laughs> <laughs> we've been telling everyone it was our last episode. I remember episode. people saying stuff, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, we, we have to point out when we're teasing. Yeah. We Although were... we certainly have wondered before, right? Like, should we just fold this whole thing down? But I Actually, think that hasn't people. been me. I think more than anything, 
Like I was thinking about this this week. You and I, this is a true story, man. I haven't told you this. You and I have the opportunity to do some major integration of church planner podcast and magazine with another outside organization, which is pretty, pretty big. And literally this last week I was thinking about it. And I'm like, I don't think I want to do another podcast with Peyton. I can't get him to do this one. Why do I want to take on another one? I don't think this is a good idea. Like literally those were the thoughts going through my head. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm, that, that's what I was going to say is I, I, I think more Pete than me. Just, I don't know if I can keep working with this dude. I know. I know. Really? I'm trouble. Yeah. No, no. I meant you towards me. Oh, well, I, that's true. I think, I think I'm the, uh, I'm the high maintenance guy here. Oh, really? You don't think you show up on time? <laughs> no, never show up on time. Oh my gosh. I love how you were one time describing, you go, yeah, you know, people who show up late, it's because they're arrogant or <laughs> something like that. <laughs> then, but you were like, yeah, I'm just arrogant. Like you, you just owned it. You're like, yeah, I'm just arrogant. Yeah. Yeah, I think my time is more important than other people's. Yeah, so. it was pretty yeah. funny. Was pretty I try funny. not to be because I know that little factoid. So it bothers me. I don't want to be arrogant with my time, but uh, it happens. But it's just so, the way that it worked yeah. out. It is the way the cookie crumbles, man. It is. So, uh, hey, how did your Easter, before we get into the topic, how did your Easter service go, by the way? Um, now you're making me think back like two weeks. <laughs> uh, good. Well, our last topic was, you know. What to do after Easter, and now we're going to yeah. go back and talk about Easter itself. I was good. I don't, I don't really remember anything. It was good. I liked it. It was good. I dug it. It was so funny, man. I had to take uh, the kids to church yesterday solo without uh, the missus. And I get there, and uh, Justin, the pastor, he's like, you solo today? And I go, yep. He goes, your wife doing something with ice skating? And I go, yep. I go, you know I'm 100% bringing my kids to church when I'm solo. I need backup like you can't believe. Like, I live for children's church on days like that. That's rad. That's rad. Like, well, don't hey, let this know, be family week. service. Don't let this be family service. I can't make it. <laughs> That's rad. That's rad. Well, hey, last week was MLK 50, and uh, we didn't really not. I didn't know about it. That, that shows you what a vacuum I've been living in. I didn't know. So I see everybody posting about it. I'm like, that would have been good to know about. I wonder how people heard about that. Was there, like, some special list people were on or Whatever, I mean, I have black kids, so I kind of was like, I should have known about this. You should have. But I didn't. I should. I mean, I'm tag teaming with a black preacher in, well, next Sunday at Refuge Long Beach. Uh, Literally, a guy who went with the San Pedro team, and I'm like, hey, we got to infuse him into the DNA of this church. You know, it's, it's good because right now the white church is thinking heavily about you know, why, why are we not investing in black leadership? And that, that's a conversation needs to happen. If white people keep producing white leaders only and not, you know, I think we're pretty good about most churches nowadays. Like, Hey, we need a Hispanic ministry, but, uh, you know, there's, there's issues there. So Hmm. it's good to see people at least aware of the disconnect and why, why do we talk about one and not the other? So, yeah. Yeah, I feel you, dog. So, okay, so today's topic. So um, I have been reading through books like crazy, and I've kind of promised this topic for a while, and it's the whole idea of um, an interactive uh, worship part of the service. And I've explored this. I just, I, I know we mentioned it. I don't think we've done a whole podcast. I've just kind of earmarked it and said, I promise to come back to this. Well, I've been reading like crazy. And of course, just getting off holiday, man, no joke. I think I was polishing off. I read a bunch of books at a time, but I think I was polishing off like close to a book a day. Um, right now, I'm just I'm just reading like a madman. And one of the books that I was really looking forward to was a book by Mike Cosper called Rhythms of Grace. Now, this is not a book review of Mike's book. And in fact, I think I'll probably get him on Hardcore Church Plan. If you don't know, Hardcore is our uh, interview podcast where we um, we do an interview. 
and we interview the wait, wait, um, wait, wait, wait. you know different church. It's the interview podcast where you do interviews. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah. I told you I'm a little tired today, a little, little bit slow on the uptake, so I might shock myself with with the things I say and take a while to respond to myself. But you know, basically, what happened was um, I read this book thinking, man, this is not for a podcast. This is for me because. If you remember Church Zero, Chiching, I talk about how the teaching part of the church for me is interactive. So, for example, when uh, Cameron and I, the guy I just mentioned a, a second ago in Refuge Long Beach this Sunday, we'll do 10-minute teaching, 10-minute discussion, 10-minute teaching, 10-minute discussion, and tag team. And so uh, what will happen is we'll end up having probably around 20 to 25 minutes discussion and probably 30 uh, minutes teaching between us and that will bring everything to about 50 55 minutes so it's one thing to be interacting nearly half that time it it's different it changes the dynamic people can can do that a lot easier than a um straightforward you know let me talk at you for 55 minutes and so that's kind of been my quest and so i'll, I'll do that this week but i talked about how the Everything except church nowadays seems to be interactive, right? You, you, if you're watching something on Amazon, you just hover over the screen or on your control now, and it'll tell you this actor, and it'll pull his bio up, or it'll show his IMDb database page. Um, it, it's pretty amazing how interactive almost everything is nowadays in 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 almost every sphere of life, except except church. So in the teaching part, that's been great. But I've been feeling, particularly in the last two and a half years I'm traveling around going to churches, that the worship sing-sing part, um, the sing-song, the singy-sing, the praise-a-thon, whatever you want to call it, that I'm bored. And and, and I, I often look at my heart and think, am I bored because I'm backsliding? Mm. Am I bored because I'm not walking with the Lord? And no, it's not that. Because, you know, if, if I'm seeking the Lord, like, I will walk in and I'll be ready to worship. I, it's something I've always talked about, that if you put a bunch of people who are seeking the Lord during the week, it, it kind of doesn't matter when they come together, as long as it's Christ-exalting and God-glorifying worship. It doesn't have to be good. Music doesn't have to be awesome. Players don't have to be that skilled you will lift the roof off that place. And the, the analogy that I always use is a bunch of coals. If you heat a coal up um, on its own, it gets red hot. But if you take all those coals and you put them together in a heap, red coals, they will get white hot together. And so the, the, the illustration there is that when we're all on our own seeking the Lord, we're like red hot coals. When you put, when you put black coals, cold coals, with a couple coals that are heated up, it'll eventually ash over and heat that coal up, but that coal will never reach the heat that it will when you take a bunch of already super hot coals with some life in them, because there's a duration issue. You put them together, boom, it's going to be a more intense heat. And so my point is, we come together for that brief time every week. If you have a room full of 50, 60, 70 people seeking the Lord hardcore during the week, you put them together on Sunday, watch what happens. That's incredible. So that's like when you got discipleship and ministry, evangelism, outreach, all that going on. People come together, and it's a different experience on a Sunday, as opposed to people just make their one-stop shop, you know, on a Sunday and come in, and they haven't really been seeking the Lord. And I'd say that's typical. A lot of consumer churches that come in and go, "Well, I'm here on my average once a month, so I don't feel guilty for not coming." And I still check in, and but really, God's not at the center of my life. Uh, the idols that I worship tend to be there. And then when you come together, it's like everyone's like, okay, cool, um, sing, sing, and we're done. So there's those dynamics. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about is there a way that we could change our worship portion or praise portion of the service to be more interactive? So I picked up that book by Mike Cosper, hoping to get some kind of um, insight into um, what I'd be doing. So as I, uh, you know, uh, I'll, I'll, let me just sum it up this way. Read the book, 
it was good. I don't feel it was a five star. Um, I feel it, it had great potential. Um, what he did is he walked you through the gospel because he's very reformed. And so the first four chapters were, here's the gospel, which I'm like, okay, that's good. But that's not what I thought this book was still good. It was solid stuff. It was meaty. It was kind of cool, but still it wasn't the nitty gritty. The nitty gritty came at the end. And the most helpful part of the book was he had a chapter where he said, these are the components that I feel if you understand the gospel need to be in the worship service and the worship service should walk you through the gospel. And I didn't necessarily agree because I don't see that in the scripture. And I don't think that was necessarily the practice of the early church, nor did Mike Cosper say that is the practice of the early church <coughs> or demonstrate by scripture. That's what we do. But he had, he had interesting things. So one of them was he had like, um, you know, we should start off with the creation. God created you. He made you. He's your creator. Your worship should um, reflect that. Then he would go into something like adoration. You praise God. You just praise him for who he is, the character of God. Boom. So it's like second song. You know, and then he he spliced it in with different things that we would call in more traditional churches, the order of service. So in, in Wales, they would call it the hymn sandwich. It would be like opening prayer, hymn, um, Bible reading, hymn. Um, pastoral prayer, hymn, collection, hymn. And so it was called a hymn sermon and then hymn benediction and then hymn, you know, uh, that would be called a hymn sandwich. And, and to be honest, when I read the book at the end, I came away because remember I lived in Britain. I was at Lloyd Jones. I've been there. I've done that. I've been in hymn sandwich churches. I've been there where, you know, everything has been methodically thought out according to tradition, but I didn't feel it blazed a new trail. Um, he talked about things like communion. He talked about, but for me, I'm thinking, man, you know what I would love is where everything we do has a life to it. So for example, Pete, like refuge Long Beach, um, we ate a meal and I can remember the leadership coming to me, and I've since changed my view completely. I remember them coming and saying, hey, we should do communion. And I said, hey, we do that in the CODs every week. Let's just not, you know, have it in the Sunday service. <clears throat> and I felt like, um, now looking back, I think I was wrong, because really we were eating a meal. And the more I look at communion in the New Testament, the more a meal it was. And I was like, we had it right there. Why were we not doing communion? So this week, uh, when I lead the service, I may kick off with communion and put some of this into practice. Um, I don't want to completely screw up their deal. Um, they've got a guest worship leader, so I can't mess with them too much, but, uh, but you know, that wouldn't it be great how refuge long beach kicks off with breakfast, that that is literally the start of the service kind of like it's always been but that we end that with communion. You know, everybody's there. There's bread, there's wine, there's juice, probably juice in Long Beach. <laughs> yeah, um, I would say that's the uh, the appropriate beverage to use. Yes. Yeah, but you kick off remembering Christ's death, you know, his atonement. Like, that's how you kick off worship. And, and communion always changes the atmosphere. How would you feel about that, Pete? I don't, I don't know how I'd feel. I think I'd have to experience it to have a an appropriate opinion on it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what I liked was, you know, at the end of the book too, and I would definitely say, get it, read it because don't take my, where I'm saying I wasn't, I was looking for one thing. I think Mike did a good job. I think if you were coming to the topic of worship and you're like, I'm looking for a good solid book, I think you'd find it there. So don't, don't misunderstand me on this. But what was really good was he had an appendix and it had sample, uh, really him sandwiches or orders of service from other churches. Now for me, I, I made my own, like he had his, these six essential things should be there. Part of it was confession, adoration, um, you know, yada, yada. And for me, I'm like, okay, that's cool. I like where your head's at. That's really helped me reframe my own thinking. But I really, you know, again, I would start with communion 
And then I would have a few songs, uh, but I would have a time of confession where it says confess your sins to one another. I'd have a time where, you know, again, I would have a testimony. I would have um, the, um, because we're sitting in small groups already, I'd have a time of confession because that was something that um, I think has been missing from churches for a long time is we praise, 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 but there's no confession. Right, that's something that's always been a part of churches throughout history. Even if it's like high church where they have a time where they read something out of the prayer book, um, that's something that I just think wouldn't it be cool for sitting around in a group and you don't have to say a thing. Like no one has to confess um, if if you're sitting in a group, but but people are given the opportunity. And people are given the opportunity to say, "Hey guys, you know, can you pray for me?" Like. Just, just not seeking God right now, and 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 I'm finding the Bible really dull and boring. And then the rule for that isn't that you um, lecture that person. The rule for that is if you want to confess that too, you know, confess that. If not, let's pray for him. You know, let's lay hands on that dude. And let's pray for him. Um, those kinds of things. And I think that would. I think that would change the atmosphere. And again, it's the interactive worship part of it, where then after that part of the service, then you come to a point where you're, um, maybe maybe you even have a point where you say, hey, during this time, I want you guys to think of someone you need to forgive this morning. You know, maybe you mix it up from week to week and you say, hey, this week we're going to focus on our confession part about where Jesus says, forgive us just as we've forgiven others. And then, and again, Pete, you know this. Like people walk into Refuge Long Beach, see the breakfast. They walk in and see the people, and they turn around and go, "Uh-uh, I'm coming back here." And I'm not even worried about that. What I'm worried about is, do we teach people that what worship is is 30 minutes of just singing, or do we teach them that worship is an interactive activity that the Holy Spirit is a part of, right? that you were actually able to interact. So the old school church, you would do the, the priest would say something, the congregation would respond, the priest would say something, the congregation would respond. You, you see where I'm going? Yeah. And I just wonder, like, how did we get here? Right? Like, how did we get to this point? Mike Cosper asked that question. How did we get here? What, what happened where singing became, it's about this, experience I'm going to have rather than, you know, something I'm going to do or, you know, I come here to praise God. I come here to lift up his name. I come here to join. Can corporate worship be different than individual worship? So like when Paul brings up, Hey, if you speak in tongues privately, Hey, speak it privately all you want out loud. But if you're, um, if you're in a mixed group, Whisper it because it's only for personal edification. Somehow we've missed the worship service and made it all about personal edification where Paul says, even tongues, if that gift comes to you, you only speak it publicly if it's going to edify others. And I just think maybe we've got the worship service backwards where we're thinking of only edifying ourselves rather than how do I edify someone else as a part of my worship to God? Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. It is. I told you I'd shocked myself a bit today. <laughs> I actually have something to say. I know. But but I wrote down a list, you know, and, and part of it was here's here's one of my big things. I liked how Mike had a um a um oh and this was great. He brought up this point. I thought this was fantastic. So I'm still on this journey. I think Mike's helped me get a little bit to where I'm going. Um, I was hoping he'd do it for me. Like he'd just be like, Hey, I'm going to be your Uber on this. I'm going to pick you up and drop you off and just give me a tip at the end. It didn't quite work that way. He got me close, but I got to walk the rest of the way. And that's cool. Um, you know, I'm a bit of a freak anyway, so I got to figure stuff out on my own. But here's the deal is that one thing he said that I really loved, like probably my favorite part of the book was he said, let's talk about these songs we are singing 
compared to the hymns that are given us in the Bible. Because we don't ever sing angry things in church. Shouldn't we, though? Shouldn't we sometimes be singing things along the lines of God? We're, we're, we're ticked off about what's happening in the world. And we've got all this anger. We don't know what to do with it. Like, I walked in my car this morning. Just Those don't morning. usually make good music. I'm just saying. I'm going to throw <laughs> that out there. I'm going to go out on a limb. Yeah, it hey, doesn't usually go over as well you, as you think. Hey, the battle hymn of the Republic, right? Like that was a fight song, man. Like, yeah, like, this is uh, church. Oh, it's great. Battle hymn of the Republic. And then, uh, a mighty fortress is our God. That's a fight song. Like we need some, we need some of those every once in a while. I'm not just talking music. I hope you guys are all getting, we're not just talking music. Um, I'm looking for an interactive liturgy, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And, um, so, so, but also the ones where you're 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 not doing okay. What about those songs? How many people sitting Sunday after Sunday would connect with one of those? Right where the guy goes, "Hey, you know, I feel God like the heavens are like brass. I've been trying to talk to you." And then, you know, maybe at that point, you know, after you've sung that, somebody says, "Hey, this is a time for if someone has an encouraging word." Right now, then your prophet can stand up and say something, or someone can read a scripture. You know, it's kind of like the what's God saying to you? Because God's never going to say something discouraging to you, right? It's always going to be hope. It's always going to be, there's always going to be some opportunity for redemption, just like Isaiah, the most heavy prophetic book. All, all of them, all the prophets, always have this message of hope at the end. And that's how Jeff, the prophet I served with, said, Hey, that's how you always know it's the Lord. Isaiah just doesn't say I'm going to come and destroy you and ground up your bones and scatter you to the four winds of the earth. He comes back in chapter 40 and says, hey, now from chapter 40 to 66, I'm going to tell you how I'm going to restore you. That's what God always does. So you can have these times where things are left dangling and, and hanging out in the wind a little bit. But then you know that after that, you're going to have a time of encouragement. So then someone can say, Hey, I don't know if this helps anyone else, but tell you what God spoke to me this week. Like, I love that stuff. I just love that stuff. Know what I'm saying? I feel you, dog. I feel you. So I was in a, in a, recently I was in a charismatic Episcopal church. Don't ask. Um, <laughs> and during the service, um, it's, it's a little more high churchy, but also Pentecostal at the same time. So it was an interesting mix. And I had gone there specifically just to see what's this look like. And what was kind of cool was um, this lady had to work. And they had this open time. And she must have just had enough time till she could get to work to swing by. <laughs> she walks in. And they all knew her. They all loved her. Old lady. She walks in the back. She says, hey, everybody. I have to work today. Sorry, I can't be here, but uh, I, uh, you know, uh, I'm glad I didn't miss the, the the time of sharing. She goes, I just want to say this, and she shared this really encouraging thing, and she left. <laughs> I was like, that's how Pete would go to church if he could. Oh, I'm just teasing. On. I didn't think that. Come on, <laughs> I would never share. What are you talking about? I'm just trying to include you. I would never share. I would just show up and go. <laughs> You'd be like, oh, she's leaving me too. Bye, everybody. Oh, she, need, she needs an escort. <laughs> oh, time to go. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to cover her Wrong on her team. exit. No, I have to say, Pete, Pete, I don't think you, I think you miss way less church than I ever do. No, I, I tell you, it's day. only because of refuge. Because I, I grew up, obviously, dad is a pastor. I didn't, I didn't like church. When I went to college, I was like, I'm not going to church. This is stupid. I don't yeah. think I went more than maybe five times in 10 years that I was in college. Yeah. And we had chapel three times a week. I figured out how to get credit without actually going to chapel. Like, I, I couldn't stand it. I didn't like it. So whenever Jamie would uh, sing at church and, like, we'd take two cars, I'd show up and, you know, there's no room for me to sit. I'd get back in my car and I'd leave. I'd go home. I'm like, hey, you know what? I'm sure you sing great. I'm not sticking around this thing. It literally was not until Refuge that I was like, okay, this is cool. This is fun. It was just That's it was a different environment, man. 
That's hilarious. So you're making up for less lost time and Apparently. you actually like church. But that's what I'm saying. I actually think if we're going to reach young people, um, I always, I always feel with worship. Cause, cause here's the thing. I always feel with worship that it's a bit like, and, and, and you have to understand I me. Mean, this is going to sound a little bit blasphemous, but I think you'll understand when I finish the whole thought. I think sometimes with prayer, what, I mean, uh, worship, what we're doing is we're working ourselves up into a frenzy, right? That's what, that's kind of the goal is to get ourselves feeling all these really good feelings and to get things really worked up into a lather, as it were, um, a spiritual lather to get you ready for the message, which is why we, um, do it the way we do it. It's why things are scheduled out or, or choreographed the way they are. And I just don't think that's what it's for. Um, and, and so I, it reminds me of the prophets of Baal where they're cutting on themselves and they're jumping around and they're all these antics and Elijah's just taunting them like, Hey, maybe God has an answer yet. Maybe he's, maybe he's sleeping. Maybe, maybe he's, I mean, there's a sense in which I just think we have unconscious habits and associations with worship that aren't necessarily biblical. If you go to, um, Old Testament worship, it was all interactive. There wasn't a thing you did in the Old Testament that was not super interactive when it came to going to the temple. Like you were spattered with blood. You were putting your hand on that. You know, you, you were waiting your turn to get there in front of you. You were confessing your sins. Like, why do we think that's not a New Testament thing? Like, because we've inherited this system. That's why. And And if we go back, we go, hmm. Our early church seemed a lot like, oh, wow, they use spiritual gifts. This whole thing was interactive. Now, Paul says not more than two or three prophecies, but when was the last time you heard a prophecy in church? You know, when was the last time church was truly interactive? And so that's where I'm going. But here's, here's why I say this. Because to me, worship is seen as the height of spirituality. And to me, it's not. To me, the height of spirituality in a church service is prayer. And I don't know the last time in all the churches I visited where prayer was more than just a ditty that started the sermon and ended it. Yeah. Or kicked off a worship song. I don't know when the last time, because during revival, they sing, but they pray way more. So I don't believe when I'm seeing People saying, oh, no, you're totally wrong, Peyton, because, look, I, I realize I may be wrong. Don't get me don't get me wrong here. But what I'm saying is I'm a huge fan of church history, and I'm a huge fan of church revival. And when God has genuinely moved, his people get on their knees and pray. And I just don't think we would consider that a good church service nowadays. Hmm. These are deep thoughts with Peyton and Pete. <laughs> yeah, not so much from Pete, but from Peyton. Well, I didn't let you talk. I'm sorry. I'm kind of used to that, and so are our listeners, so it's cool. Yeah. Well, Smack Talk's good, though. So yeah. are our listener. <laughs> so, so what, I mean, what are your thoughts, Pete? I don't have any thoughts, man. I think I would no. have to actually check it out to see, because the, I think about the only way it can work is in a church plant. I don't think you can take a a current established church and start implementing some of those things without completely breaking it. Right. And I don't know that that's a bad thing. Um, but that, and the reason why I say that is it's so not what people are used to, right? They're used right. to the show. They're used to, right. all right, I show up, we do a little ditty guy gets up there, says a few words. I go home. Like it's a show. Right. And when you start going to, you know, open prayer time. Um, that's going to make, you start going to confession. Hey, we're, we're, you know, you got something to confess. You can do it right here at the table. Dude, I'm telling you, most people are going to scatter, scatter to the wind. Oh, absolutely. I'm going to go to a church that doesn't make me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. You know, but that's the thing, right? Like I love how when Jesus is talking about, you know, sinners and tax collectors, he goes, he says to the Pharisees, they're running. Like when he says the kingdom of heaven 
is violent and suffers violence, what he's saying is this is not like a respectable, easy, like this is a tumultuous thing. And these people, when he says it suffers violence, it, it literally means like people are laying hold of this, like they're seizing it, this, this just little glimmer of hope. Like, and he says the sinners and tax collectors are entering, that's his next statement, they're entering heaven before you. They're leapfrogging over you because it's a ray of hope. It's like, it's one, it's one. And, and I just wonder if the confession, like you're saying, it will turn tons of church people off, tons of others. But imagine the people that we've seen where they come in and the first thing they hear, not the first thing, but one of the things that they hear during that service is the people that they walk in with, you know, are going, yeah, I don't have it all together, man. Hmm. Like, it's like an AA. It's like an NA. And I think it's just going back to, um, you know, this goes in the things that will break your church box for sure. <laughs> I think you got a good point there. This would break your church. I've had guys where they, they read church zero and they go, I'm going to do all of that. And it breaks their church. And I've warned people, this will break your church. But equally, I had like we had Cameron Barber up north where he did this. And he goes, and all of a sudden I started reaching unchurched people mm. when I started doing this. It completely changed everything. So, you know, and then there's the toss up, you know, some of it is, well, if I do that, I'm going to be poor. <laughs> I'm not going to have the Christians that, that pay the bills. But over time, as you disciple people, you will. It's long term versus short time, right. short term investment. Right. I dig it, man. I dig it. Well, cool, brother. All right. Well, hey, um, any sponsors this week? Well, you know, while you're doing all this breaking of your church and for like the 10 bucks and tie that you are going to collect, what would be a good resource to help me out with my bookkeeping? Should that be the situation for me? Well, I would go to simplifychurch.com. What? Um, they will, oh, they, they will absolutely simplify your life. They'll keep you focused on writing new interactive liturgies all week so that you don't have to do your bookkeeping or keep compliant with the IRS. All those things, any budgeting needs, any accounting, any of that, help with your 501c3, you talk to them. Mm. Also, one thing that people don't know that they may need to know is if you need some assistance, like a little five-hour here or ten-hour there for admin, they also are in that business as well now. Nice. nice. SimplifyChurch.com. Tom Peyton and Pete sent you. They'll send me an Amazon gift card, but not Pete. <laughs> they sure won't. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, hey, thanks for joining us today. This has been Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell reminding you, <laughs> if you want to reach the ones no one's reaching, bless you. You Thank need you. to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Church Planner Magazine. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Church Planner Magazine.